what do you mean you have to? You need to change that. It's, I get to do this. I get to play to these people. I get to do a sold out gig. I get to perform original songs to people who've paid to come and see me. And that tiny shift in perspective was enough to make me go, okay, we all have day-to-day stuff that can bog us down a little bit. You don't always feel like being the creative individual. You don't always feel like getting out the A4 notebook and start scribbling down ideas. But gratitude has to intervene at some point and say, well, look at the life that you've built for yourself because of all those days. Hi, amigos. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey of Pursuit podcast. Guys, it's episode number 60. I, I'm still in shock that this is happening still, but you know that there's actually a term for this? I have to look it up. I don't really know what it's actually called, but I've heard that there's a term for when a podcast only makes it to 10 episodes and we are at 60. I'm so proud of us. I mean, I just can't believe that this is still happening and I get to do this. So thank you so much for supporting the show. I remember when we just started and I was so afraid of even talking into the mic. I was so afraid of just what people would think. I was so afraid of being really bad at this and I just took messy action and I learned along the way and I went on my stories yesterday and talked just about this because it's so important to really realize how important it is to take the messy action and let go of the negative thoughts and the spiral thinking. The overthinking will keep you in inaction for a long time. And instead of staying in inaction, you have the other choice available. You have the choice available to you to think that everything's going to go bad and you're going to fail at this and it's going to suck and people are going to think these things of you. But you also have the option of thinking the complete opposite. What if everything works out? What if you love doing this? What if you're good at it? What if people love the fact that you're doing something new and they can really relate to it? And the truth is, you'll never know unless you try. And had I not tried this, I probably would have been sitting here regretting it. And yes, it's never too late to start something. But I think that when you have that urge, when you have that want, it's so important to give yourself that space to go for it because it makes you believe in yourself. Why wouldn't you go for it? Why wouldn't you try something new? Have faith in yourself that what you're trying is something amazing. It's something that's going to reach people. It's going to touch people's hearts. Something that's going to expand not only theirs, but your heart. And it's going to show you new things about yourself, about the way you work, about the way you think. It's all about the mindset when you're trying something new. And I'm so proud and happy that this show has grown to be what it is, even if it is still a small show. I love it. I love doing this every week. I love showing up for you guys. I love learning about these new topics like personal development, mindset shift, and all these other things that are so exciting to me. And I've become even more so passionate about them than I was before. And I love the stories. I love listening to how people have been able to do what they love, regardless of the obstacles they've faced. And that they share that here on the podcast is the best part of it for me. So thank you so much for this space. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you.
Okay, before I bring on our guest, I want to quickly let you guys know that my Patreon page is live and I'm so excited. That is the thing I was teasing in the last episode and I've also been teasing it on my stories. If you follow me there, then you know, but it's finally live. You can sign up now and I'm so excited for this community. If you've been wanting to be surrounded by a community of like-minded women that show up for themselves, that look into topics that make them better, this is the place for you. If you want weekly motivation videos, I'm going to be showing up every single Monday with a small tidbit video motivating you to go throughout the week. Not only will you get quick motivational videos on Mondays, you'll also get a whole hour with me on Sundays where we'll be talking about things such as mindset growth, self-love, self-development, how to take small steps towards the things that you love. I'm going to be sharing my own story. All of these mediums always come to me through podcasts I listen to, books I read, TED Talks, YouTube videos, and I'm going to be bringing them to you so that we can talk about it together. This group is not only meant to inspire you, it's meant to motivate you and give you momentum to take the steps to actually transform your own life. I have a list that goes on and on. I have a list of podcasts, I have a list of books, I have a list of YouTube videos, all that have taught me so many different things and I want to bring those to you, to us, so that we can talk about it and we can start a new conversation with like-minded women that are there to do the same thing, collectively build a new mindset. I'm also going to be bringing a PDF format of my notes for any of the topics I bring. I'm also going to be giving you guys journal prompts. And if you're up for it, there's even an option to get a discount for any future event I do in the future, which is coming up. So get excited. I'm super excited. I cannot wait to start. We will have a welcome call this Sunday, October 2nd. So please sign up if you're interested. I cannot wait to start. My hope is that this Patreon page will build a community, a safe space, a familia, where we can indulge ourselves in topics that help us expand our mindsets, take action toward our dreams, and become better versions of ourselves, all while being supported by a group of women that are like-minded. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and I did what I said in my stories yesterday. I'm taking action, and I'm inviting you guys along for the journey. So if you're interested, please find the link below where it says Patreon, and I'll see you there! Today's guest is Cullum Gavin. He is a Dublin-based Irish singer-songwriter currently signed to BEO Records, home to the first lady of Celtic music, Moya Brennan. Cullum's first two releases, Your Endless Slumber and A Voice for the Urban Darlings, both reached number one in the Irish charts at the time of their release. Singles from his debut album have reached the top 10 in notable indie charts in Norway, Australia, USA, Canada, and Japan. He has made notable inroads in the American market with his music currently being playlisted on over 50 states across the U.S. and Canada. Gavin's most recent release, the 1992 Tapes EP, reached number one in the Irish singer-songwriter charts, number four in the pop charts, number 56 in the Billboard 100 in the United States, and number 81 in the Italian pop charts. Gavin recently gave his inaugural New York City performance in the legendary Birdland Jazz Club on 44th Street. Without further ado, please welcome Colin Gavin. Sure, welcome sure. to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I was just saying in the intro that your most recent release, the 1992 tapes, your EP reached number one in the Irish singer-songwriter charts, number four in the pop charts, number 56 in the Billboard 100 in the United States, and number 81 in the Italian pop charts. That's right. Can you yeah. please 
tell us how this came to be. Were you signed when you did the CP? Did you do this on your own? What was that kind of journey like for you? I, I was signed and it's weird because even hearing you say that, it still doesn't really feel real because as an artist, the kind of music that I play is would be similar to the people I grew up listening to. So like Harry Nilsson, Randy Newman, Dean Friedman, these kind of piano based singer songwriters who weren't necessarily chart aficionados. I remember my record producer, Tim, saying to me, this is going to be the bane of your life now, because the next time the question is going to be, oh, only number five. Oh, what a pity. And or Gavin falls short of hitting that number one spot by 10 places or whatever, which again, as I said, Drea, that was never something that was on my agenda and it, and, and it still isn't, but it's lovely, especially in other countries when the music is picked up on and it resonates in some way, especially in non-English speaking countries like Italy. And it did quite well in the indie charts in Japan as well, which is just weird, but, but it's, it's a kick. And like all things of note and benefit, I just try to enjoy them rather than pick it apart and think about it too much, you know. How long did it take you to record the EP or do this whole process? Is it something that you kind of came up with on your own? Did you have a band? What was that like for you? So the EP itself is five original songs and they were all written at the piano and then performed solo piano. So I did it with Alan Thornton and Brian O'Dwyer to wonderful producers and Alan Thornton is the grandson to the Thornton family who in, in Dublin are renowned piano makers. And so basically I love recording in a gorilla environment and, and I don't mean the monkey, the gorilla, um, just that ad hoc approach to recording somewhere that you wouldn't usually record and letting half of the ambience be half the charm of what the record or the recording is. And so what we did was we set up a makeshift recording studio in the showroom of Thornton's pianos on the north side of Dublin. We picked an upright piano, a gorgeous Rittmuller upright piano, mic'd it in a couple of different places. And I sat down and the guys were based in one room and I was in another. And I said, I'm gonna play all of these songs in a row. I'm gonna leave 25 seconds between each song and then you cut them up at the end. And that was how the record was made. So in as long as it takes to listen to the record, that's how long it took to make. Wow, you did this all in one take. Yeah, well, it was the second take, but all in one go, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, as a musician myself, I can say that that's really hard to do. What I like about that is that it's almost like a live show, except you just cut it up to make it like a nice and clean package, but it's essentially you doing a live show and then being recorded. You actually took the words out of my mouth and that's always the way I've described it to people was, and that's the advice that I give to musicians who maybe aren't that comfortable in the studio is treat it like it's a gig. Don't get to, sometimes, you know, when you hear yourself in your headphones and you think, oh God, I hate the way I sound today. And that affects the way you go in and do a vocal take, or that affects the way you communicate with your band. You're maybe not in the best mood. You want to go for five, six, seven takes. And by the time you get to the eighth, your voice is so spent that you've lost the initial charm of what was there on the first or the second take. So, and now to my detriment too, because a lot of times on a track, I'll be really flat. Well, I'm flat most of the time, but I'll be really flat coming up to the end of a middle eight or something. And because the, the vibe on that take was good, I'll just go with that one. So my, my PR ear isn't great when it comes to working towards a single, but I just like the energy of, of, of what happens when you work that way. I agree with that because that's exactly how I recorded my EP as well. After college, we just all went into a basement and just played the songs live 
and just recorded them. And it was the best way to make that EP because you, you can feel just the energy of not overthinking and really coming from the heart. And so I love that that's how you recorded your EP as well, because I know how special those moments are. It's so true. And a piece of advice that I got when I was very, very young is that there's nothing that you'll ever do in life that won't be the best version of how you could do it as long as you're really relaxed. So my approach to everything is to try and fall into a situation as comfortably as possible. And then whatever happens is going to be good no matter what. It, there's a great book called Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner that came out in the mid 1990s. And he talks about this idea of just let your hands fall at the keys or just get up to the mic and go for it and see what happens. And trying to get out of your own way is the most difficult thing for any musician. But I think the more relaxed, the better. And if you can just get out of the way of what the music wants to do, you're going to get the best result no matter what. Speaking of relax, is there something that you do before recording or before singing or before going live? Is there a routine that you do that gets you in that headspace to perform and be in your space of a musician? Yeah, another great piece of advice that I got was from my teacher, Peter Stanton. And he says, if you're something all the time, then you don't need to turn it on and turn it off. So for example, when it comes to performance, initially the, the thought of getting up on a stage to a bustling bar or a busy venue, or if I was a support act for somebody, it, you know what it's like. It's those 20 minutes before you go on stage that can be a little bit emotionally crippling. But I think that's because you're going, you're transferring through the door of your normal day-to-day -day self to on stage you. Whereas if you are in a constant walking state of not creativity you don't need to be walking around town with a notepad in your hand or whistling a tune but it's all about matching a level of vibration so if you have yourself in a state of readiness at any point you could be at a party someone hits a few chords on the piano and asks you to sing and you just jump into it you don't need the coaxing you don't need the cajoling and i try to stay in that mindset as often as possible so when it comes to time to get on stage it's not so much of a transition I love that answer because it's the same thing for even I, I read this recently about social media. You know, people should be able to go to your page and know who you are offline as well. And I think that that's the best way to put it. You know, whether you're on stage, backstage, getting ready to perform, you're just in your room. Like you said, you're at a party, knowing that that's just in you. That's who you are makes the process and that moment so much easier to really get into that headspace. It does completely. Now, there's a lot of performers who maybe their stage act is a little more showy than they would tend to be in day-to-day in -day life, but it doesn't have to be a posture. Sometimes it's just a mental state. And like I said earlier, if, if you're as relaxed as you could possibly be, that's where all the really, the really good stuff is. And, and songwriting in particular is a little bit like going fishing. You know, you have to be really quiet to catch the big one. There are so many I mean, as we both know, there are so many musicians in the world. There are so many artists in the world that are doing this every single day, day in and day out, no matter what it takes, they pour their heart and soul into their craft. What keeps you going? What is something that you feel music gives you, you that so much that you have to keep doing it? The reward system for me is the life that it affords you. When I was a teenager in school, I would have done anything just to be in a band. And it didn't matter if it was punk, rock, reggae. I just wanted to be in a band. And I remember my dear friend, Kevin Brannigan saying to me, go and learn a bass because every band has guitar players. Every, every band needs 
a good bass player. And so I was in four or five different punk bands and I was dreadful. And, and they, you know, we, we probably didn't make a great ensemble anyway. But when I got down to playing the kind of music in my early 20s and mid 20s that I that I adore the music of um well, my own music, but that's influenced by ragtime and swing and, and jazz in many ways. When I was performing the stuff that's really true to me that I, I really adore, it's like I found myself in it. And so this goes back to what we talked about with performance. Being at the piano and flapping my gums and telling stories and singing songs is the most natural communicative state for me. And so the reward is in everything. The reward is in playing a gig to 20 people or to 200 people or to bring out a record or a radio station picking up on a record. So I try to be, I try to exercise gratitude as much as possible, even with the smallest of things. And that makes the, the bigger things even nicer, I think. What do you do on the days where you feel there's a block or there's something that doesn't really resonate with you in that moment? Sometimes you need that inner dialogue to come out and have a conversation with your 15 year old self or your 16 or 17 year old self that just wanted this more than anything in the world. It's really funny, Andrea, that you say that because about a month ago, I had a headline show in a venue in Dublin called the Speakeasy in Oris Cronon and the, the gig was sold out and I had a small backstage space in the back of the building and it was about 20 minutes till showtime and my support act was going out. And I was having a conversation, Amy Nessens, wonderful songwriter, she was doing support that night and she was like, how are you feeling? It's like, I'm good, I'm good. I was making a cup of coffee or something. I was distracted. And uh, she said, well, what have you got planned? And I said, well, I'll probably have to do this and I'll have to do that. And she goes, what do you mean you have to? You need to change that. It's, I get to do this. I get to play the, to these people. I get to do a sold out gig. I get to perform original songs to people who've paid to come and see me. And that tiny shift in perspective was enough to make me go, okay, we all have day-to-day -day stuff that can bog us down a little bit. And you don't always feel like being the creative individual. Or you don't always feel like getting out the A4 notebook and start scribbling down ideas. But gratitude has to intervene at some point and say, well, look at the life that you've built for yourself because of all those days. They add up. You know yourself, Andrea. Like it, it's, it's an accumulative process for any great thing to happen. There has to be a long-standing obedience in the same direction. And one day, and it's kind of like an out of the blue day, you find yourself in exactly the position that the 15 or 16 year old you would have loved to have been in at the click of their fingers. But now it's become an accumulative thing. And I just try and remind myself of that as often as possible. I just had this conversation with a friend. We were talking about this woman I follow on Instagram. Her name is Amanda Klutz and she's incredible. She has a fitness business and she's one of the co-hosts for the talk which is a huge program here in the US and she lost her husband unfortunately to covid and he was an all-inclusive artist and performer and he loved to dance he loved to sing he loved to perform and she said something in an interview or i can't remember if it was her stories where she said the same thing she said i don't have to move my body I get to move my body because he can't, you know, like he's not here to do that. And that's what he loves the most. And that's what she thinks of every single day when she wakes up and she's like, I don't want to do this today. She says, it's not that I don't want to, it's not that I have to, it's that I get to do this every single day. And there are a lot of people that don't get to do it. And I loved that shift in her mindset. And I've also carried the same sentiment with me throughout everything I've done. 
And so I love that that was your answer because it's exactly what I do as well. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's funny that you kind of brought the element of mortality into it too, because in early 2021, my teacher of 15 years, Peter Stanton, who was such an incredible mentor to me, he passed away in his late 60s, quite young by today's standards. He was a wonderful guy and, and someone who was almost a mathematician when it comes to music and had a very clinical approach. At the height of my teens, I would have been attending music lessons with him six days a week, five, six days a week. And he was he had a military upbringing, so he was in the Army Number no. 1 band in Cork, played a huge role in the Artane Boys band in Dublin for many, many years as a as a conductor there and just somebody who had music pouring through him and when he passed away it he was he was a light in my life and a, just an incredible individual and someone who i i took so much solace from and so much inspiration and when he died it hit me in a way that death up until that point never had because death was just kind of those one of those things that well it's an inevitability it, none of us are getting out of this alive but when he passed it was like there was a gaping hole or a shadow left in my life. And so for about a year, I was sort of frantically re approaching what it was that I thought death and life were, you know, that that passage. And I, I was rereading like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I was reading the, the Gospel of Buddha, self realization fellowship books, Swami Sri, really analyzing like, what is it, you know, are, are we just like a blip on a sonogram that comes and then it's gone and all of this is meaningless. And the only real answer that I, I can surmise is that you have to juice every ounce of life that is given to you and try and just focus on the fruits that the, the tree of life yields rather than the day that it's all going to rot because, you know, inevitably for all of us, this is just a vehicle and, and you pass through it. But I loved your analogy there and, and the way you, you leaned into mortality because I think it's something that we could all do with kind of a clip around the ear with where you realize some days this isn't a dress rehearsal, <laughs> you know, waiting for the right moment, the right moment doesn't always come. So that's kind of a mantra that I, I try to use in my day to day life and mantras, as you know, they're good. It, it's good to have a reminder or just something written on your wall or on the back of your hand or on your phone that reminds you get it together. This isn't a dress rehearsal. Try to try to cheer up even when you can't, you know. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast. That's why it's called The Journey of Pursuit, because I truly believe that it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. And it's about realizing that every single day you have a choice. Every single day you have a decision to make. How do you want to live this life? What is it that you're going to do today to be the best person that you can be, to get closer to your dreams, to get closer to be happy and to you know, do the things that you enjoy so that you are enjoying the journey and not just getting by? And I think that that's something I've realized through the people I've interviewed that every single person I've interviewed is someone that has gone for their dreams, has gone for the thing that they love to do, no matter who told them they can't, no matter what the industry said about how hard it is or not. And most of the people I've interviewed are musicians because as a musician, most of my friends are creative musicians. And so what I find so interesting is that not one person has had the same path, the same journey even though we're all in the same industry, even though we're all doing the same thing, no one has gotten to where they are by doing the same exact thing as another person. And that's why I love highlighting people's stories because it's such a testament to that we are one decision away from a different life. We are one decision away from a different outcome. And it's up to us to look at that every single day. Who do you want to be? What do you want to, what do you want to grow 
what do you want to accomplish and how can you get there and how can you make the journey so worthwhile that even when you get to the destination you enjoy the journey so much that the destination is something you celebrate but you're so excited to continue going for the journey you're so right and and there's a neil sadaka song called the hungry years i miss the hungry years and it's funny how perspectives shift when you get to whatever gravitational point you were aiming for. And success is a funny thing because it's kind of like holding sand too tightly in your hand and it slips through your fingers. Sometimes you thought you were going for, you've already got, and the steep climb ahead isn't ever as steep as you might think it is. And that's an idea that I play around with in my head a lot because I remember being in my early 20s, I was a busker in Dublin, so I played music on the streets, which is character developing to say the least because the reward system is instantaneous if people like what you do they throw a coin into your bag if they don't <laughs> uh, sometimes it's better left unsaid the kind of rancor that you can be faced with but it's a discipline in and of itself and on the days where i just felt like whatever it was i was going for was a lot further away than than i would have liked it to be a big band would come to town and i remember meeting conan o'brien one night I was out busking on Grafton Street and he was like the embodiment of everything. He looked like a successful guy, even if you didn't know who he was. He walked the walk and talked the talk and was just the epitome of grandeur and decency. And all of my friends who were with me, one of the things we took away from that was, isn't that exactly who you'd want to be? Like once you get to the destination, and for some people, the destination is wealth, success, prosperity, that even after the punishments that life have, has, has dished out to you, that you can still retain an ounce of yourself or an ounce of decency in the face of the hardship. And it's not always easy and not a lot of people start out as great people to be in with. So it's, that's a that's a growth point, too. I think ultimately that for me is uh, is another one of those things that I have to remind me of myself. Just to keep a level head and always to act like you're already there or act how you would act were circumstances slightly different, depending on what the goal is. Because as you know yourself, the goals change week to week, depending on what stage in life you're in. But it's an interesting talking point, isn't it? What was that process like for you as an artist or a musician? How did you come about getting your management and your team together? Bio Records, who are the record label that I'm presently signed with and have been since 2015, their roots run deep in, in Ireland, both from a, a music and a cultural perspective. So Moya Brennan, who's the lead singer of Clonet, an incredible Irish group who you may or may not be too familiar with, but their youngest sister is Enya, who you may be familiar with. And Enya has had huge success worldwide. Their record label is Bio Records. Now, Moya and Tim have a daughter, Ashling, and a son, Paul, two very dear friends of mine. And we're all musicians and our paths kind of crisscrossed throughout the Dublin music scene and the wider Irish music scene. And when I was about 22, Ashling said to me, out of the blue the other day, for no reason, my dad said to me, how's Colin Gavin doing? And she said, I thought that's strange because she has hordes of friends, <laughs> like army truckloads full of friends. And she said, he just kind of asked out the blue and wanted to know if you have any concerts coming up or whatever. And I had a show. It was a midweek show coming up in a place called the Workman's Club in Dublin. And he came along to it and he was with a couple of friends. Tim Jarvis is an amazing guy. He was a chief photographer for the NME for many years. Now he's married to Moya Brennan and they run the record label. And we had a quick chat. He couldn't stay for my whole set, but he said, I love what you do. Come out to the house sometime. We'd love if you would 
sign with the record label and so within maybe a month of that I signed with Bio Records and he said well how soon do you think you could put something out and I said well I kind of have an album ready to go that I think will be good and he said okay come back in two weeks and let's listen to some of the some of the rough takes and we'll talk some more about it I didn't have anything Andrea so I went to a producer friend of mine Adam Walsh and said I need to make an album in two weeks don't ask me why and can we start tomorrow and so we did so we recorded my first album in about two weeks it was called a voice for the urban darlings and that was my first release with pio records wow like you said before it's like kismet <laughs> it it's was crazy. just meant to be yeah, it's crazy yeah big time wow something i always ask on the podcast are these two questions one of them is what do you think has been your biggest lesson or failure and what do you think has been your biggest success or win every single person i've had on this podcast rephrases it to well i don't think it's a failure i think it's a lesson and that's exactly my point. So I would love for you to tell our audience what you feel like has been your biggest lesson in your career or your personal life that you would like to share with them. This is kind of a roundabout way of telling one very vague point. But when I was in my teens, my dad gave me a book called Bounces. And it sat on my desk for about six months. And he would sporadically come into my room and say, have you read that book yet? And it was a sports, the, the idea behind it was it was it was a book centered around sport, particularly table tennis. And I, I wasn't really interested in that. So I just kind of gathered dust for a few months. And he said, look, I'm going to synopsize it for you. He said in the book, this guy is training for the Olympics and midway through his training, he gets a new coach and the coach is just doing really basic rudiments, cross table shots, all that kind of stuff. And the guy goes to his coach and says, what are we doing this for? I'm training for the Olympics. Like, where does the complicated stuff start? And the coach says, if you have a grasp on the basics, you never need to worry about the complicated stuff because it'll fill in the blanks for you. And from that day, something shifted in my approach. I was, I was a student of music by that point and a brutal student of music. And I would feel like I knew that I had enough ability to play a certain way. And then when I would go to play, it wouldn't come out and all this kind of stuff. And I realized that it's, you're playing the long game. It's not like 16 week course, walk out and you're exactly what you want to be. It's a day to day attention to detail process. And it's a discipline process. And that's a, a state of mind that it's like what we talked about earlier. It's something that you need to apply as a blanket the whole time. And then progress happens really, really quickly. So the, the failure aspect to that was I was 15 or 16. All I wanted to do was be a musician, but it just wasn't clicking with me. And I realized that it's not that I can't do this. It's my process is all wrong. And so attention to process is something that I, I would always, if someone comes up to me and says, look, I'm really struggling with this. I'd say, well, what's your process like? Have you addressed what your, your week to week is? And that usually is where the problem tends to lie. That's very similar to even daily habits, right? What are the habits that you have every single day that really help you get to that mindset or that feeling, that state where you can go for the things you want? What would you say has been your biggest success or win so far? My, my best achievement, I would say, is the fact that I grew up to be the person that I wanted to be. And beyond anything else, and every voice said, listen, <laughs> it's not going to work out. You come from a, a tough neighborhood in a working class town. The economy at the time was in the pits. Dublin was, was a rough place and, and a very difficult place to be if you wanted to climb 
uh, ladder of any description. And I was, I, I, I tried to be as steadfast as possible in my belief. And thankfully that 15 year old, 16 year old dude didn't give up on me. So I try not to give up on him. How nice to be able to look back and, and know that you never gave up on that kid, you know, who's still here and, and proud of where you've gotten so far and so much more to come. Like you said, I love that question because success is so fluid, you know, like it's such a bad word, you know, and so is failure. But I always ask it because I think it's a necessary thing to think of in every person's journey. I realized that when I listened to Sarah Blakely, who's the owner of Spanx, she used to come home every single night and her dad would ask her, what did you fail at today? And she never understood why he kept asking her that. And then she realized that she was older, that her dad redefined failure for her. And she was never afraid to be, to lose or to fail because she knew that it was a part of the journey. It was a part of her life. It was natural to go through those things. And the same with success. I feel that success isn't ever something that you just achieve. It's just something that you have like an inner feeling of like, you're proud of yourself. You can keep going and you have momentum and motivation to do the thing that you love to do. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Are there any last words you would like to say? Any advice you would have for anyone listening that wants to be doing what you're doing or felt inspired by your story? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, Andre. It's been an absolute pleasure and you're an incredible host and someone who has no doubt inspired plenty of people. And I think it's a real testament to a podcast host or a host of any show of any description where your good reputation precedes yourself because I had heard about you uh, before we were in communicado, as we say. So that's a huge testament to you. So fair play to you. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. What I would say to anybody who, who wants to get into the, the creative line of work of any description, typically the way people value music and art is with the question, if you're so good, how come I haven't heard of you? And that's, you know, how often do we get that in life? And one of the things that I would say is work as though there's someone else in exactly your position trying to outdo you every single day. So the value system by society is always going to be, well, if you're not number one in the top Billboard 100, then who even are you? But you need to gauge for yourself what the lines and markers of success are. And if that means I want to play to 20 people who paid $5 to come and see me next month, if that's the goal and you tick it, you tick the box, you did what you said you do. And if you begin with incremental goals, the small stuff adds up to the big stuff. It's stay true to yourself and try as often as possible to be nice because it's a, it's a tough industry and it can give even the most humble of people a big head. So keeping your feet on the ground while you're reaching for the stars is probably a good idea. That's exactly why I even started this podcast. It was because I had been listening to a bunch of shows that were highlighting people that were a little older than us. And I love hearing those stories. I look up to a lot of people, obviously, that are older than us and have done things that are super inspiring and motivating. But I always had this question, like, what were you doing at my age? There's no way that you just went from like your 20s, which is a messy time to 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and you're successful. You know, like you just got to this point where I felt they missed a big chunk of the time of my life I was in. And so I decided to start a show highlighting my peers because I had that same idea, you know, no one's heard of you. So how are you successful? You know, or like, I haven't heard of you. So are you really that big? 
And I don't care. It was more so that I wanted to highlight people that are doing something every single day that might not be as known as these people that are highlighted on podcast magazines, et cetera, and highlight them in this way to show people that it doesn't matter how big you are, quote unquote, or how much, quote unquote, you've done. It's all worth it because it's the journey. It's not the destination. It's not this fame thing it's because you love it it's because it's a part of you thank you and and again you know huge testament to you because in my eyes i would see you as a successful person and what you're doing is highlighting the stories of other people and great to talk about the struggle too which i think is probably the most important thing and the, the journey of the pursuit it's a, it's a beautiful thing and again thank you so so much for giving me your time and and being so candid and yeah for just having a great chat really appreciate it thank you yes it was a great chat please let everyone know where they can find you where we can support you so instagram and facebook tend to be my two go-tos so column gavin on instagram and column gavin music on facebook they tend to be the two gravitational points where you can keep up with all the odd and wonderful things that i i get up to musically here are the takeaways number one There's nothing that you'll ever do in life that won't be the best version of how you could do it as long as you're really relaxed. Number two, get out of the way of what the music wants to do. Number three, if you're something all the time, then you don't need to turn it on and off. Number four, practice gratitude with everything, even with the smallest of things. That makes the bigger things even nicer. Number five, this isn't a dress rehearsal. The right moment doesn't always come. Number six, you're playing the long game. It's day to day. Number seven, pay attention to your process. Number eight, work as though there's someone else in exactly your position, trying to outdo you every single day. Number nine, you need to gauge for yourself what the lines and markers of success are. And number 10, stay true to yourself and try as often as possible to be nice. I hope you liked today's episode. As always, you know what to do. If you feel called, you can please leave us a review, give us some feedback. Who do you want on the show? Let me know. Who would be a great guest to have next time? You can always DM me at Drea Lopez without the Ian Lopez or at the Journey of Pursuit. And as I said before, the exclusive Patreon community is now open. And if you would like more information, you can also click the link below where it says Patreon or you can send me a DM. I'm always happy to answer any questions and I'm so excited to see all of you there. Happy 60 episodes. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and here's to another 60. Love you guys. Ciao.